Hello, good people. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome bad people as well. Anyone who want to learn something new, interesting, please welcome today we discuss about improving communication skills in your SEO agency, digital marketing agency, or any other niches if you like to do it. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Jamar Ramos. How are you? I'm doing well, my brother. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Sunny day, positive mindset. So yeah, and I'm looking forward to learn more about uh, ACO, about communications. I know it's important today to retain customers longer because uh, it costs five times less than uh, acquiring new ones. So uh, if you, you want to grow, you need to pay attention to existing uh, customers. I remember when Neil Patel proclaimed, then it's better and uh, much simpler to uh, sell to your existing customers two times more than trying to acquire new ones. So yeah, I'm so excited about that. Before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background and why you decided to share with us about this topic. All right. Um, so I've been in digital marketing 10 plus years now. I went to college to get a um, creative writing degree. And when I exited, I realized that being the next great American writer is not really going to pay. So if I want to make sure to eat, sleep, and you know, be safe, I've got to make money. And so I found digital marketing as a solution to that. Started out as a content writer and marketer, went into SEO because if you're in an agency or in-house content is usually the first thing to go when they need to cut budget. So if I knew content marketing and I knew SEO, I felt that I was a little bit more irreplaceable in companies. And after that, I learned a little bit about social media marketing, some email marketing. So again, trying to get a full multi-channel mindset about digital marketing, because I don't think that as I, as I wanted to grow in my career, it's if you know one thing, they can easily get rid of you. If you know multiple things, they may move you around and shift you. And you have a lot more chances to learn and grow within a place rather than you're in for three years and you're out because budget cuts headwinds or we just don't have the clientele that needs this anymore yeah yeah i agree with you i think that uh, you know when companies are uh, reliant to one channel uh it might work today but it doesn't mean it will work forever you know you can lose traffic you know on any channel facebook can change their policy google yep. can uh, update their algorithms so it's the part of the game and when you have multi-channel approach that means you have much higher chances uh, to cover broader audience and uh, yeah to provide effective marketing campaigns uh, yeah. i have the first question can you tell uh, how to communicate today with customers uh, because uh, many of them wanna uh, communicate by different ways someone uh, is using whatsapp telegram linkedin facebook email phone can you tell how to find the right channel and consider uh, customers preferences well a lot of times what we do is we have different channels so we have a slack um team that we have so mm -hmm. we'll add a client to slack we do it over email but a lot of times like if a client says oh we use this other thing we try and be very approachable with that amenable to their situation so because in the end while the client's not always right we want to give them the opportunity to work with us on our level and the more times we say no the more that we're going to make that client feel as if they're not important. If we're going to mm -hmm. say no, I want there to be a reason to say no. So if a client says, oh, I want to use this, I can say, oh, well, we don't use that channel because we found that communications over there can be hacked. 
can easily be duplicated. Someone can come in and they can see us. They can hear what we're doing, what we're discussing. And if we share any sensitive information over this for InfoSec reasons, we don't feel like we should use that. So we always want to make sure that if there's a no, there's a reason behind the no. And then there's but we do have these three solutions that we utilize over here. Which one of these is more minimal for you? We'd love to help you get hooked up with that. So again, telling them what you have, solutions for it, and also offering them, oh, we're totally help you get set up with that. So the client feels as if you're walking them through and you show them your communication style right off the bat. You want to work with them, but maybe you don't want to give them a bunch of options so that way every single client that you have has a different communication channel. You're over leveraged. You don't know which channel to utilize, how to talk to your clients anymore. You're just trying to manage all the different communication channels you have versus actually managing your clients in their workload. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, valuable. Uh, I'm interested about uh, transparency. Uh, for example, uh, you know, I remember uh, probably 10 years ago, uh, I tried to cooperate with some companies and they replied to me, sorry, we can't share our methods because it's our secret, uh, you can share with competitors, you know. What do you think about today? Uh, it's a good idea to hide your methods and tell, uh, just wait results, we do our job, it's not your case, just uh, believe, trust us. What do you think about today? I, unless it's proprietary information that we've developed, a tool or something, I'll tell people, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. This is why. Again, it's that communication strategy. The mm -hmm. clients need to know. I'm sick of clients who have worked with agencies who basically said they didn't communicate. They didn't tell us how they do things like SEO isn't magic. There's a way to do things. I went to school, as I said, to be a creative writer. These teachers, these professors that I went, they showed me the way to do the craft. So if I'm going to do SEO, content marketing, social media marketing, I need to show my clients how I'm doing my craft. It's not the Wizard of Oz. I go behind the curtain. I pull some levers. I do some things. Ta-da. It's magic. It's okay. We need to make sure that your landing pages for PPC are updated. Here's some options for content that we want to put up there. Here's three different options. This is why we're choosing those options. We think that based on previous data, based on your comp set, these are ways that we can get people to see your ad, get interested in your ad, click through and go to your landing pages. Any questions on that? So you tell them exactly what you did, why you're doing it. And then you give them the option of talking about it and saying, hey, you know what? That's a great idea. Or, oh, we've seen that these other ads work for us. Can we emulate those? Because again, if you don't communicate with the clients, they're going to communicate to themselves what they think you're doing. And usually if you let them do that, they're going to think you're doing something nefarious and that client relationship is going to deteriorate quicker than you can say deteriorate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, uh, I'm interested about uh, how often to communicate with clients because we, you know, uh, customers are different. Some of them are busy. They uh, are not interested you know, to learn everything what you do. They want to see results to check out their metrics, uh, positions, traffic, sales. Uh, uh, the rest might be want to speak more, you know, uh, because they want to uh, get attention. Uh, and uh, I found that it's better to ask clients about that. Uh, uh, and uh, 
I often see when uh, agencies can reply one time a month, uh, please pay for the next month, you know, uh, check out the report uh, and we are waiting for the payment. Can you tell how to find this balance between uh, speaking with customers, uh, probably uh, a few times a week a few, uh, or a few times a day or uh, one time a month? What do you think about that? How to find this balance? When we first started our agency Crunchy Links, because it was just us three founders, because we were trying to develop what we were doing, because we were trying to see what worked, we would do weekly meetings with our clients. But that was easier when we had, you know, two, three, five clients. It was the three of us. We were working together. But as mm -hmm. we grew our client base, we realized, okay, it's a hindrance to us, not only because it's taking time, but it's taking time away from us actually doing work. We're spending more time talking about our reporting on work rather than going back and doing it. So what we started doing is we go in two week sprint cycles. So the first week of the month, we talk about the previous month. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what we were seeing. That second meeting, the third week of the month, we're talking about what's coming up, what we're going to put in our sprint cycle for you for the next month. So that way it gives everyone time to see what's coming up, give a little bit of feedback, then go and execute. And hey, we'll see you in two weeks. Some clients, once they stay with us a little bit longer, we move to once a month because it's like, hey, you know how we do it. You see what our tactics are. Yeah. Let's put together a quarterly plan for you and you can see you know, January, February, March, Q1. This is what we're doing in January. This is what we're going to do in February. This is what we're going to do in March. This is when we're going to talk to you. This is when we're going to need to talk to your devs and get this within their dev sprint cycle as well. Any questions? Okay, let's execute. So I would say that as you're building up, the best thing to do is every two weeks and for certain client relationships, you can move them to monthly. So that way, you know exactly how much time you have to execute on work. You don't feel overburdened with client meetings. And that gives you that good time to really gather the data, tell the right story to your client and be able to give them the information they need rather than just throw a bunch of numbers and data at them to obfuscate that you didn't do anything or what you did actually didn't do anything to reach their goals positively. Mm -hmm. I'm interested about uh, your partnership. Can you tell how to communicate with partners? If you have uh, three uh, co-founders who created uh, the agency, how do you communicate to build relationships? I don't know. Or uh, even, you know, uh, for example, uh, when you started from scratch without money, you know, without resources, uh, probably it's not hard, yeah, uh, because you have some goals. But when you grew, you know, it, yeah, uh, probably you have some... Uh, Misunderstanding. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you tell more about that? Because uh, from my experience, uh, yeah, I, I lead my agency myself, and uh, I don't know how to build relationships with partners. <laughs> Probably it's a good idea or not. I don't know. Can you tell from your experience? Of course, from my experience, it's 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 one of the things. I think if you know on social media, people complaining about millennials and how they need to be treated differently, but that's exactly it. You partnerships can't just be partnerships. You have mm -hmm. to take that out because what we do is like, oh, okay, you're just this person I'm working with. It's actually a real relationship. So you need to mm -hmm. be able to do more listening than talking. And so mm -hmm. my three yeah. partners, the best thing about us is we've known each other different lengths of time. So one partner, Jack, he and I have been friends. He worked with me at my first big corporate job. So we've been friends 
eight, nine, 10 years at this point. So our communication style is like big brother, little brother. Like mm-hmm. we, we have that relationship where we can have frank conversations. But the thing about it is we don't have frank conversations in public. We do it in private. So a Zoom call between him and I, a Google Meet, hopping on the phone, and it could be knocked down, drag out, yelling, screaming, cussing. But once we get off that phone, no matter who, one, no matter whose idea goes out there, if it's his idea, he knows that once we walk out of that room, I'm kicking everything. I'm stopping and saying this is the best idea we've ever had. This is how we're going to do it. We're running with it. I'm going to act like it was my idea and him mm-hmm. the same. My other partner, mm-hmm. Rob, we met at our last agency. So our friendship has lasted for three years. So it's been a great learning experience to learn how to speak to him to make sure I'm not stepping on his toes to make sure that we're sharing ideas. He doesn't feel that he's being stepped on because my personality is really big. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when I'm sharing, I'm excited. I'm passionate about something. To me, it's passion to other people. It could be, it could come all across as like, Oh, well, I don't really have a way to get in this conversation to give Jamar feedback to say, Oh, well, let's do this. Let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. So it's learning how to keep the passion and the fire about my ideas, but also make sure that I'm asking for that feedback. I'm allowing for that avenue for people to get in there. So it's really about doing more listening and talking. And one of the things I actually did was I went into therapy because I realized that a lot of my communication style was too big, was too loud, was too boisterous. And I wanted to figure out where does that come from? And so figuring out how to have better communication strategies from the therapy. So that way, not only with my partners in my personal relationships and with clients as well, learning how to hear feedback, hear things I may not like and take that time to actually process it in a healthy way. So the responses are healthy. So those relationships, even if there's a little bit of friction and tension in that moment, we find a solution for that friction and tension rather than continuing to butt heads. And it becomes just about that (laughs) tension rather than like, oh, well, here's a problem. The solution is right next door to the tension, but we never leave the tension room. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, You remind me about uh, probably German army. I read in one book that uh, soldiers uh, in German army uh, can't complain uh, in the first day. They need to do it after a few days because they need to calm down to think probably they are not right. Who knows, you know, uh, but they can't do it exactly after uh, something happened, you know, after the event. Uh, so and uh, yeah, uh, because of that, they decreased a lot of uh, complaints and uh, people can think, you know, uh, with cold mind. Oh, no, probably I was not right. Knows, or uh, it's not a big deal, you know, to go to complain to any other places. So yeah, I, lo- I love this experience. Uh, I'm interested about management. Uh, you uh, in the first part you mentioned that you provide digital marketing. It's huge. Yeah, we have many different directions. Can you tell how to manage people? Because uh, I often see when companies uh, are looking for jack of all trades who can uh, provide uh, create content. Uh, ACO, paid marketing, uh, I don't know, social media, everything, you know. But uh, I know it's hard to uh, know all directions. You can understand that, but you can't be uh, an expert on all these directions. It's better to pay attention with one. Can you tell about management, how to manage people who uh, are good with one direction and uh, provide results for a client? 
or uh, I don't know to chase a cohesive goal. Goal. Um, the the best thing to do is to always again listen. Like if you have mm-hmm. person, they're only good at SEO. That's not a bad thing. That can be a great thing if you listen to them and they say, you know what, I only want to do SEO. Cool. I'm going to put you with our single channel SEO clients. We're going to do it that way. You let me know what I can do to make sure that you're learning more about SEO. You're getting all the obstacles out of your way. And then after a time, like, hey, are you interested in learning anything else? Oh, well, you know, I've been on calls and I've heard clients talk about PPC and I really love to learn a little bit. So that way I can upsell our SEO single channel client. Okay. Then you start teaching them a little bit about PPC. And all of a sudden they're learning because it's, excuse me. They're mm-hmm. learning because it's what they want to do, not because it's what you're forcing on them as a job. Like, yes, we want people to be able to do their responsibilities. But if we hire them for a certain thing, that's what we hired them for. Don't force knowledge into their head that they didn't ask for, that they don't want just because it's good for your company, it's good for the client. You also mm-hmm. have to make sure that what's good for the employee comes out in everything. So we have a young man who works for us phenomenal SEO. He wants to Mm -hmm. learn more about client relations and everything. And that was his request. So we're starting to groom him on that. Hey, this is how you talk to clients. This is how you handle it. Giving him more of that space. Sure. Do we need more PPC health? That would be great. But what he requested was to learn about this other niche. Okay. Now we have multiple doors open in a different manner that we didn't even have when we first hired him. Instead of thinking about what we desire, think about what the employee desires because it could also help your business. Again, listening first. If we did more listening than talking, then we would be great, great at communication. Yeah, listening is a powerful tool. I know about that. <laughs> and uh, can you tell more about listening to customers? How to listen to them uh, correctly? I don't know, because uh, customers can share a lot. And we need to combine all, all of this information and to provide results. Can you tell about, I don't know, like technical aspect, how to listen to customers to highlight uh, important points and, uh, yeah, and uh, to set up in marketing campaigns? If you're just starting the relationship, have a list of questions, but Mm -hmm. also have a section within where you're asking those questions that allows the client just to speak. Two, understand that you don't ever have to ask a client about their goal. There's one goal for every business to make money. Every strategy and tactic we do is to make businesses money. Those strategies and tactics may change based on our audit, based on what channels they have with us as an agency, based on where they want to go and what stage they are as a business. If they're a startup, okay, you know, there's certain channels you want to do, certain strategies you have to do, but they still want to get to that place where they're not asking VCs for money. They're not doing a friends and family round. They're earning it from selling their goods, their services, their thought leadership. So always understand that the goal is money. Everything else breaks down underneath that. Number three, Be proactive in your strategies. Mm -hmm. Be an expert. Give them something. Hey, this is what we want to do, but always base it on something they've either told you or some data you have from them. These are the strategies you want to do. Your goal is to make X amount of revenue over the next six months. Here's what we're going to do underneath that in those six months to get that based on data we've seen from your current client structure. And then ask them, how does that sound for you? 
back to the listening so that way you can hear their feedback on, oh, this is a great strategy or, oh, I don't understand this one part. Let's focus on that. So no matter how big of a deck you built, you always want to make sure that you can easily go through it and get to the place where they're giving you the information because they're going to start talking because they see that you're expert, that you've gone through their data, you know their goal. All of a sudden, they're going to start vomiting out all this great information that they wouldn't have shared with you before because they didn't know that they didn't trust you. You have to build that trust by showing who you are, what you can do for them, how you've investigated their data. They'll start telling you things. Oh, well, our salespeople are talking about this and clients have asked this question. And, oh, we have a forum and people are talking about this. All of that is data that you can pull in and add to your strategies and show them. Not only do we bring you things based on an audit that we did of your data, you're giving us this other data. Okay, let's shift these two tactics later on because they won't matter as much as putting these new things in that you've given us. All of a sudden you've gone from they're a client, you're their agency to a partnership. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see this new strategy that we develop together. Let's talk in two mm -hmm. weeks. They're going to be super excited because they feel like they're digital marketing with you for themselves. That's how you communicate. That's how you get buy-in. That's how you build that partnership. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm interested about uh, leading customers in the right direction. For example, uh, I met a few times the quote uh, from some companies. Uh, if uh, our customers are not right or wrong, uh, they are not our customers. <laughs> you know. So yeah. I think, uh, uh, but sometimes uh, the reality customers don't understand the process. They don't understand what kind of traffic they want to get, how to monetize mm -hmm. it, because they're not experts. That's okay, because they need to develop and innovate their products. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, I usually educate customers and tell them, for example, if they come to me and tell, you know, I, I need to see your traffic. What kind of traffic, what kind of keywords, how we can cover a buying persona? Uh, do you have this content? Yeah, it takes time, you know, to educate them, to show why we need to do it. Because uh, ACO or any digital marketing, uh, uh, we are not magicians. Yeah, we can't create traffic without uh, a cohesive job. Uh, and without content, you can't get results. Can you tell how to lead customers in the right direction and tell them, uh, you know, for example, uh, if you are not good with SEO or uh, you can't compete with uh, these keywords, it's better to skip them because your competitors have strong positions, high quality content, uh, it's overwhelmed, your budget is not uh, good, you know, to uh, try to take these keywords. But we have another direction, much better, because it's not uh, overcomplicated with competition. Can you tell how to educate customers that another direction is much better? It's all about their comp set. Not only who they think their comp set is, but who their true comp set is. Mm -hmm. Like, I would mm -hmm. love to say that our digital marketing agency is their comp set is some of the biggest ones, you know, AMC mm -hmm. and, you know, Bright Edge and all these big, flashy, shiny names. That's not our comp set. We're not there. We may not ever get there. Who is our true comp set? Okay. What are they doing? What are they saying about their goods, their services, their products, their expertise? How are we doing it differently? So putting all this information together and also, especially if you're working with a client who's been in business for a while, again, looking at their data. So what they may think their clients and customers want is different than what their clients and customers are saying. And if they have a sales team, going to that sales team 
their lead salesperson. What are the people on the phone saying? What questions are they asking? All of this, again, data, then you can show it to the client and say, hey, based on the traffic that you're getting right now and your conversion rate, your potential clients are saying this about your product. They really, really love it or they're bouncing because they don't understand what it is. We should make sure that we're telling people exactly what you sell. Your salespeople are saying on the calls, the people that they're trying to sell to are confused. They're not getting it. So, hey, let's go ahead and arm your salespeople with the script based on what we've done on your landing pages that not only do your landing pages tell the story, your salespeople are telling the same story. So that way your UX on-site and your UX off-site match up. So if someone lands mm -hmm. on your website and then they call your sales team, they're getting the same story. They understand, oh, not only does their website know what they're doing, these people understand what they're doing and they have the information to take me a level, two levels down with the questions that I want to ask. Boom. And then based on what people are asking on there, let's build an FAQ center that answers some of those questions. So not only are we getting people who hear the story on your website and on the sales call, we're able to answer some of those surface level questions on your website and FAQ page. So once they start calling your salespeople, they go from marketing qualified leads to sales qualified leads. We've moved them from brand awareness to engagement and potentially to a conversion, all because we listened, used data, and optimized our website to tell one significant story, which is the true story of what we offer, whom we offer it for, what problem we're solving, and why that's good for you. So again, mm -hmm. taking the information that the client either has or doesn't have, repackaging that to say, hey, this is what we're seeing now, this is a story we should be telling. So if we can boil it down, Again, using data, using numbers, using what they already have. All we're doing is showing them exactly what their current clients are saying about them and saying, hey, if we want to change that narrative, this is some of the ways that they're telling us we should. It's hard to ignore that when you can show them, hey, the money is leaving and the money is telling you exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. So let's 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 get that money. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh can you tell about creating a uh, content strategy? Uh, for example, uh, I often get clients who come to me and tell, uh, I can't get results for a few years. Uh, I spent a lot of resources, but uh, traffic doesn't come. I don't know what to do. And when I check out their strategy, I can see they uh, try to promote uh, high volume keywords. For example, weight loss. Um, if they sell weight loss supplements, I, I'm not sure it's a good idea trying to compete with Wikipedia or other websites uh, because it doesn't cover a buying persona probably uh, uh, in the top level they can cover, but it's not about selling. And it's hard to overcome competitors uh, that uh, big websites, popular websites. Can you tell about creating the right strategy for our customers uh, who don't know exactly how to find uh, keyword or even uh, another strategy and uh, how to choose priorities? For example, when we have limited resources, let's imagine uh, 10K yeah? and uh, we can't cover a lot of keywords. Even if we check out uh, paid marketing, it, it costs like uh, 100K. But in SEO, of course, it's uh, cheaper. But anyway, we need to find the right strategy. Can you tell more about that? The number one content strategy I see people do that really, really shoots them in the foot 
is having, they just blast out a bunch of pieces. They think that because their comp set has, you know, thousands of pages with very surface level things that, oh, we need all that to compete. Like, no, they have a head start. They're there already. And they're probably doing that to compete with the next level up competitors. Be very strategic. Our blog, I, prob I publish one thing per month. It has to be well thought out. It has to be really helpful. And it also has to be different. I don't need any more strategy guys about how to do SEO or PPC and all that. There's thousands of those out there. What can we write about? Oh, I can put out thought leadership about what it's like to be a black man building an agency, what it's mm -hmm. like to deal with depression and a divorce while trying to build a business. There are people out there who would love to read that. That's more helpful. Also, it shows them that their digital marketing partner is actually a real person. I deal with real things. I've had clients who it's resonated with who have said, you know what? I was, you know, we were thinking about you and another agency, but the fact that you're a human, the fact that you deal with this, the fact that you're going through this and you're willing to share that vulnerability, I want to work with you. So, mm -hmm. and right here, podcasting, being a guest, sharing your information, your knowledge, showing that you actually have an expertise in what you're doing. This goes a long way. This is personable. You know, Band-Aids, we're going to buy them or whatever. I don't know a single person who works at Band-Aid. I don't know if they have any human beings working there or if it's just a bunch of robots putting together adhesive bandages. If you're trying to compete with them, you can't do it like them. It can't just be about, oh, we have the best adhesive bandages. Like, okay, what else are you doing? We're the best. We make sure that 50% of our profits we're donating to X, Y, and Z charities. What else are you doing? That's your content strategy. What are you doing differently that your competitors aren't doing? If you're trying to go against Johnson & Johnson, you're going to lose that race. If you're trying to be better than you were as a company, as a human being the day before, that's a race you can actually win, and that's going to resonate with a lot more clients. There are thousands of digital marketing agencies out there. I need people to understand why we're different, why we're going to work with them. That's the content strategy. So thinking about how you're going to be different, not just a thousand pieces of content, not just, hey, if we get this out, we're going to rank well, we're going to go for these keywords. Keywords don't matter if you're not talking to people. Talk to the people who need your service. Tell them how you're going to help them. Give them some ideas, some strategies for free. Talk to people. Go out on podcasts. Do guest blogging. Make yourself known by being helpful. And people will come to you because you're helpful in a myriad of different ways. I love it. Love it. Yeah. So valuable. I, I agree with you 100% about that. Be different. Uh, don't copy others. Because uh, uh, I remember when a few clients shared with me uh, some case studies, uh, how to steal traffic from their competitors. And I uh, replied to them, okay, you can, you can, but you need to have such strong positions. You can analyze competitors, but if you feel that your content is better, if you can get better backlinks, uh, mentions, anything, uh, uh, strong brand recognition. And by the way, it's possible to overcome even Johnson Johnson or Wikipedia if Google ranks irrelevant content from this website because Google doesn't have uh, enough choices. You know, <laughs> they don't know what to show and they show some related content. And for example, if I see Amazon in the top 10 results with irrelevant content, I understand, oh, it's a big chance we can take it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, what I like in your reply, 
is that you need to uh, differentiate from competitors. For example, if they are good with SEO, it doesn't mean that you need to jump in SEO. <laughs> Choose another channel, you know. Yep. I know some companies, big companies that uh, earn a lot of money uh, have no SEO, you know. Just branded traffic because it doesn't work for them. They can use influence marketing, anything, you know. So, yeah, I agree with you. Can you tell about, uh, for example, uh, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do to learn more about digital marketing and what you changed in approaches from your uh, first attempts? Twitter. I know people call it a hellscape, but Twitter is one of the best places. Like I love Twitter for my mm -hmm. own personal learning. And again, I've been in digital marketing for 10 plus years. I'm still learning every day. I'm still reaching out to people. I'm still in people's DMs. Hey, explain this to me. Hey, what's going on here? Hey, I saw you put out this study. What's going on here? Because it's the best way for me to build a community with a bunch of people who are always working, who are always on but they're gonna be on Twitter as well. So that's the best place to reach them. That's something that I've changed in my strategy. I used to read a bunch of blogs, try and get in with a lot of the thought leadership and everything, the people who are big that everyone knows. But again, there's some people who don't have those flashy names, who don't have that name recognition. They're just as smart and have the best content as well. Those are the people I wanna to talk to because they're not out there. They're not so busy. They're not doing a million podcasts and a thousand speaking engagements. They have the time to share and they're a lot more willing to share because there's a lot mm -hmm. less on the line from them because they don't have to worry about, okay, if I say the wrong thing or someone takes it the wrong way, that's going to eat into my speaking engagements. That's going to eat into my podcast stuff and everything. They're willing to tell you the real stuff. They're willing to dig in and say, Hey, I know people are saying this is the next new thing, it's not. It's already out. This is the next new thing I'm working on. So for me, that's the best way. And also, again, doing things like this, building a community by coming on and talking about how we can be in communication. Like, this is how I want sharing ideas, hearing your experiences. Yes, you're asking me questions and I'm giving you answers, but then you're also doing added value from your own personal experience. So not only are people who are watching this hearing from me, they're hearing from you. And also I'm hearing from you. So I get to take those ideas and like, oh, okay, you know what? And it totally shared this with me. Okay, next time I have this situation happen, I'm gonna do this, this way, because I heard the way that he did it. So this, for a lot of people, podcast, they feel like, oh, this is just ego bait. I'm gonna get on here. I'm gonna get something out of it because I'm sharing my expertise. No, I'm also getting something because you're sharing your expertise with me after I answer the questions too. So this is a great way to build community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell what not to do today? Uh, for example, uh, from uh, you, know, you know, for me, it's hard to count all my mistakes. I made a bunch of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Uh, but I think uh, all failures bring new experience and nothing else. You know, yeah, okay, I am failing, but I am learning. Can you tell what not to do according to your experience that it's better to avoid, to skip it? Uh, it might be obsolete, anything about that. Whether you're a freelancer, whether you're in agency, whether you're in-house, always charge the right price for your expertise. You might think that lowering your prices or trying to undercut your competitor is going to get you more clients. What it's going to get you is a lot of clients who don't have the budget. And so every dollar that they spend, they've got to monitor. 
and that's going to give you a headache. And also, you're undervaluing yourself. Don't do that. It, no matter how long you've been, you have experience. Make sure you put the right dollar amount on that experience. And don't be afraid that if the client is being abusive in any way in your engagement, cut that client. The money is never worth yeah. the headache. It's never worth giving up your self-respect and your dignity to help someone. If they don't actually respect the partnership and they're treating you as a slave rather than a digital marketing expert, yeah. cut it. You can make that money. You can make it three, four, five times over by taking that time, that energy and putting it into people who will respect you, respect your humanity, respect your expertise. That's Counter to what a lot of people do is, oh, I just have to deal with this. Oh, I just have to go through. No, no, you don't. You will find a better way. You will find a better client. Cut that relationship off. And also, as you're building up an agency, if you start hiring people, be quick to hire, be quick to fire. I know people want to say, okay, I want to work with them and everything. Yes, work with them. But if it's not working out, don't let an underperforming or bad employee stay around. I've sometimes been that underperforming, non-valuable employee. And I'm happy that some places took that opportunity to say, hey, it's time to go because that's also a learning experience for me as an employee. Oh, this is how I messed up. This is how I wasn't getting it done. This is what I need to work on to be better. I need to work on my communication. I need to work on being a better partner, whether I'm in-house, whether I'm an agency, whether I'm freelance, figuring those things out. Those are some of the biggest mistakes that I've made in my career, those are the things that I've learned from. Making sure that I value myself, making sure that I'm hiring the right people, and if they're not the right people, cutting them. Because again, relationships matter. If the relationships aren't working, you've got to split up because they can become abusive for one party, the other party, or occasionally both parties, and that's not good for a healthy partnership. Yeah, remind me Gary Vee, uh, when he talked about uh, negative attitudes, he he replied to the, to the same question that uh, he doesn't want to cooperate with negative people, and he doesn't care about money, about anything that he can get from them, because uh, money uh, doesn't change uh, uh, mindset. You know, <laughs> they can't treat your uh i don't know <laughs> everything that you have in your head so yeah i agree with you a hundred percent it's better to cooperate with people who respect you uh and even if you are not good with something you can learn uh you can uh do maximum that you can do so yeah i agree with that can you tell about the future of digital marketing uh what kind of future can you predict and it's a good idea today to jump on this field or it's better to find something else because we can see many things are coming like ai tools uh, metaverse many others what do you think digital marketing has future or not oh it's always going to have a future it's just the people have to understand like we have to crucify our egos to mm -hmm. quote my favorite tool song crucify your ego There's going to be AI tools. There's going to be automations. There's going to be helpful. If you understand how to incorporate those tools into your proactive strategies, there's always going to be a place for a good digital marketer because as we've seen with Google auto bidding and PPC, it's, it's, it's not a smart thing to do. It's only going to bid on things that are going to cost you a lot of money. You need someone in there helping. 
we had a client where they had a lot of AI scripts doing their bidding. We were able to identify, I believe, over $50,000 of wasted ad spin that they had because of these automations and everything. So automations can be good, but you want to use them just like everything else in moderation. Make sure that they're helpful, that they're not just monitoring because the AI automations are only as good as the people who program them. They're going to have that programmer's bias. They're going to have their idea of what a good strategy and what's not a good strategy involved in there. And as those micro changes happen, you need to micro change and be able to go in there, change those automations, change that AI. If you just let it run and set it and forget it, all of a sudden you're three, six, nine, 12 months down the line. You're going to look at your budget and say, holy crap, we've spent a million dollars on wasted ad spend. If we had just gone back and looked at this even once or twice, we could have saved that money, put it in something more successful. So yes, there's going to be more automations, but we're still going to need people to look at them, make sure that those things are tuned for the next future change in digital marketing as well. No matter what things have gone forward, there's been 10 changes. Sometimes only two of those stick. So you're going to need an expert around to make sure that they're testing, they're trying, but when the two things that stick go, we get rid of the other eight. We go for these two. And again, we start looking at, okay, what's the next future? What's the next change? Let's start testing those things. So as long as we're able to do continuing education, as long as we're able to crucify our egos and understand that there's going to be help, that people are going to want to use these things, and we understand how to utilize them to help us to stand on the shoulders of those automations to be better digital marketers, there's a place for us. There's not going to be a place for any of us who decide that I'm the only expert. I know better than anything. I don't need all that help. It's like, okay, well, you're going to help yourself right out of the industry and that with that attitude. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, I agree with you. No, I'm learning from anyone. It doesn't matter what kind of experience they have. Even beginners can provide something new and interesting. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Because nobody knows how it works. Digital marketing uh, depends on uh, testing. Yeah, I agree with that. And experience, of course, because we can know uh, from previous experience how to change things, how to adapt to new technologies. And uh, uh, yeah, I remember one phrase about uh, someone asked about TikTok. Uh, what kind of future will be on TikTok if... Uh, the U.S. government will disallow uh, ban TikTok on, in the U.S. And someone replied uh, that uh, you don't need to care a lot about that because when you get experience on TikTok, you can adapt this experience to Instagram, to Facebook, everywhere. Because yep. it's more about experience of creating content that people want to yes. consume. So if Metaverse will come and replace SEO, uh, I'm not sure it's possible for a one a few days even it takes years you know to change habits to uh to provide this stuff uh, probably five ten years and we can see it's decreasing if it's decreasing that means we can adapt to new technologies to jump on this field so it yeah. takes time yeah uh, Jamar, it's yeah, a just look at something get... look at yeah, yeah. look at something no. like vo like like voice search like Five years ago, that was the next business thing. Everything yeah. like we gotta we gotta optimize for voice search. Voice there's gonna be a, a voice you know activated tool in every home. All of a sudden, all of that is going down, and some people still have it, but <laughs> it's not that important of a tactic. So everyone who shifted and made that their total expertise, all of a sudden they're scrambling again. So it's about okay, I hear this new thing. Let's test it. Let's see what's going on. You don't always have to be the first adopter. You need mm -hmm. to be the first 
correct adopter. And that involves testing, that involves seeing what's going on, that involves sometimes the hard conversation of, yeah, this is the new flashy thing. It's not gonna be around in six months. Snapchat was great until Instagram stole all their ideas and put it there, then all of a sudden everyone went back to Instagram. So again, everything old is new again. Yeah, it's competition. Uh, Jamar, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Uh, if you want, the best ways to get me is on Twitter. So I'm at Jamram33. That's J-A-M-R-A-M and the numbers three and three. You can find my company at crunchylinks.com, C-R-U-N-C-H-Y-L-I-N-K-S.com. Reach out. My DMs are open. If you have any additional questions after this, always happy to chat, always happy to communicate. Guys, you can see a lot of valuable stuff. You need to do it. Follow Jamar on Twitter. Learn from him. Uh, open his website, his company website. And yeah, uh, I think it's a good idea to order services because you can see value, 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 value leads uh, us in, in the, <laughs> yeah, uh, in, the, in our future probably. <laughs> okay, Jamar. Yeah, thanks again. It's a big pleasure. Uh, always welcome back. Share more value with my audience. And guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time.